Welcome to the St. Mark's Lutheran Church by the Narrows podcast channel. The sermon you are about to hear is from our worship service on October 8th, 2023. For more information about the community and ministries of St. Mark's Lutheran Church by the Narrows, you can visit our website, smlutheran.org. There you will find the full online worship service from which this sermon is taken. And if you'd like to contribute financially to help sustain the ministries at St. Mark's, you'll find more information on how to do that there as well. And now, here's Pastor Siggy Helgeson with a gospel reading. Now the gospel lesson. I'm going to read it from the message translation. Matthew 21, beginning at verse 33. It's called the greedy farmhands. Here's another story. Listen closely. There was once a man, a wealthy farmer, who planted a vineyard. He fenced it, he dug a wine press, he put up a watchtower. Then he turned it over to the farmhands and went off on a trip. When it was time to harvest the grapes, he sent his servants back to collect his profits. The farmhands grabbed the first servant and beat him up. The next one they murdered. They threw stones at the third, but he got away. The owner tried again, sending more servants, and they got the same treatment. The owner was at the end of his rope, so he decided to send his son. Surely, he thought, they will respect my son. So when the farmhands saw the son arrive, they rubbed their hands in greed. This is the heir. Let's kill him and have it all for ourselves. They grabbed him, threw him out, and killed him. Now when the owner of the vineyard arrives home from his trip, what do you think he will do to the farmhands? He'll kill them, a rotten bunch and good riddance, they answered. Then he'll assign the vineyard to farmhands who will hand it over the profits when it's time. Jesus said, right, and you can read it for yourselves in your Bibles. The stone the masons threw out is now the cornerstone. This is God's work. We rub our eyes, we can hardly believe it. This is the way it is with you. God's kingdom will be taken back from you and handed over to a people who will live out a kingdom life. Whoever stumbles on this stone gets shattered. Whoever the stone falls on gets smashed. When the religious leaders heard this story, they knew it was aimed at them, and they wanted to arrest Jesus and put him in jail. But intimidated by public opinion, they held back. Most people held him to be a prophet of God. The Gospel of our Lord. The Gospel of our Lord Really? Where's the gospel here? Ugh, another parable about a vineyard. Really, Jesus, what's up with all the vineyard talk? Well, that was my first response to this gospel reading. And last week, Pastor Audrey reminded us of the sequence of when these parables were happening. It came right after Jesus' entry into Jerusalem for the last time riding in on a donkey on Palm Sunday, overthrowing tables in the temple in a fit of rage toward the moneymakers, 
and now getting himself into hot water with the religious leaders who were plotting to kill him. In that context, the parable about the vineyard seems to point the finger straight at those religious leaders. Jesus seems to be poking the bear. Clearly, they must see themselves as the tenants, the ones responsible for caring for the vineyard, yet killing the ones sent to reap the harvest and take the owner's share, even killing the son. Well, it's easily interpreted in this way, that these religious leaders did not listen to the prophets. They were not listening to John the Baptist and Jesus predicting his own death, saying that he was the son they were seeking to kill. The irony is that the religious leaders have their own indictment. When Jesus asks, what do you think the vineyard uh, owner will do to those evil tenants? They respond, kill them, a rotten bunch and good riddance. Jesus peels back the curtain and lets them in on the meaning of this parable. You are doing the very same thing by rejecting the prophet sent to you and now rejecting even the son and his message, the cornerstone of faith. And so it will be given to new tenants. When Jesus turns the parable around and the finger is pointed back at the leaders and they realize he's talking about them, they are the ones. Their reaction is to want to get rid of him. Well, it doesn't feel good to have the finger pointed at you. So, phew, I'm glad I was not one of those religious leaders. I love Jesus and I want to follow him. He's a cornerstone of my life and faith. Yay, I'm feeling fine. Let's go have some wine. So when we interpret it this way, it really leaves you and me off the hook, right? Or does it? I mean, when you point your finger at someone else, there are three fingers that point back at you. I mean, do we claim a right as if owners rather than see ourselves as tenants? Are we caretakers of what God has created? And have we ever been guilty of taking more than our share or grabbing what doesn't belong to us? Standing in a vineyard, I'm reminded of the care and importance of these vines. Vineyards grow from age-old roots and require delicate tending. In the ancient world, vineyards were key to survival. Perhaps that's why Jesus uses this imagery so much. And in this parable, it's connected with the kingdom of God. In Jesus' day, without wine to drink, there would be a lot of people thirsty because clean water was not always available as it is today, or at least in some places. And there weren't a lot of other options. Wine became a necessity, and good-tasting wine was a commodity. And getting paid for one share of the harvest was what many counted on for their livelihood and survival. You know, except for a visit to a vineyard and perhaps an occasional wine tasting, I don't think about this very much, or even less about the food we eat or 
the clean water we drink, I just seem to take it for granted. As we are told by our best scientists that the planet is warming and climate change is real, I'm reminded of the book by Larry Rasmussen, The Planet You Inherit, Letter to My Grandchildren When Uncertainty is a Sure Thing. As I read his book, his love letters to his grandchildren, he often mourned the fact that we're leaving them a planet that's in worse shape than when we grew up. And some of the letters seem more like a lament, but there were also hopeful letters of what the next generation might bring, the next tenants. When I think about our own history here in the U.S., as we celebrate Indigenous Peoples Day on Monday, I'm reminded of the doctrine of discovery that I learned as a kid when I thought that Christopher Columbus had really discovered America. And I had no thought about the native people who were already living here, who were the original tenants, who were displaced, killed, rounded up, and often put on the worst land. And it wasn't until I attended the ELC Churchwide Assembly in 2016 that I had my eyes opened to the doctrine of discovery that I had learned in childhood and just accepted and never questioned. As a church body at that assembly, we voted to repudiate that doctrine and to acknowledge the harm it has caused to our native siblings and to try and right the wrong. I felt that finger pointed back at me, and that never feels good. And in this parable, I'm reminded of four things. One, that God owns this vineyard, that we're only here as tenants, and we need to collaborate with one another to produce good wine. Number two, it's easy to make our own sour produce for good vintage. Number three, and perhaps this is the most important, we need a savior. And as Paul says about all his credentials, everything he'd ever done, he said, it's all rubbish. In fact, he uses a word that I, I just can't say here on camera. He said, it's not worth a thing compared to what I've been given in Christ. And fourth, Jesus is the cornerstone. Jesus breaks us open. Jesus reveals our desire for more rather than accepting what is enough, taking more than our share, neglecting the needs of others and not tending the vineyard as good stewards. We are broken. In the parable, notice that the vineyard owner never repays the tenants with violence. They may wound and kill the messenger sent to them, but the vineyard owner responds with sending more, without weapons, no army. And as a last resort, sends his own son, unarmed, whom they kill. When asked 
what the vineyard owner will do to the evil tenants. And it's the religious leaders who say, oh, they are done for. Surely they'll be slaughtered as they have killed the son. So likewise, they will be killed. And I think we would probably agree that's what they would deserve. But notice that Jesus never says that. It's not coming out of Jesus' mouth. In fact, the vineyard owner, if we connect him to God, responds only with precious love that will give up his only son to die, even for those evil tenants. And I think this is the real point of the parable. It's not about the terrible deeds of the tenants, but about the gracious love of the vineyard owner. As Christ himself reminds us, he is our rock, our cornerstone. Jesus is the foundation for our faith and the foundation for our lives. And even as we turn from Jesus, even as we reject Jesus, he returns to us with love and forgiveness. Jesus is the wine of love. The invitation was there for the religious leaders and is there for us to build our lives on this very cornerstone that was rejected, to become more than tenants, to become sons and daughters, beloved children of God. This is the good news. This is the grace of God, the love of God coming into our world and into our lives. To our joy, we discover that open arms of Jesus on the cross, bringing life into this world, even where there is death, bringing hope where there is despair, and bringing resurrection to all creation. And that is good news. Thanks be to God. Amen. You've been listening to the St. Mark's Lutheran Church by the Narrows podcast channel. Thanks for joining us.